Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. I'm Anna David, and I interview actors, writers, musicians, and other creatives about addiction, recovery, and sharing their dark to find their light. Well, I think that all my heroes were drug addicts. This podcast features both the interviews and the stories. The interviews often share the dark. The stories often share the light. Oh, yes. I had eight butt cakes while watching 35 forensic files, but I did not drink. Are you a light hustler? Keep listening to find out. And I was like, really? Like, that's you? That's that's it? That's what I am? I'm just bad at being uncomfortable? So simple, and it also makes me feel like it's such a dick. Hi there. This is Light Hustler, a podcast hosted by me, Anna David, where I talk to people about addiction, recovery, sharing their dark to find their light, all that stuff. This is an amazing episode. If you have listened to this podcast and wondered why I'm such a AA freak as um, I've been accused of being, um, and why I don't talk about other uh, ways to do recovery, this is an interview with the president of Smart recovery. And smart recovery, like celebrate recovery or rational recovery or refuge recovery, is an alternative to 12 steps. Um, And it is a four-point program. We break it down. He walks me through it. I've been hearing about smart recovery for years, and I never really knew much about it. So we have gone to the source. Uh, This was an interview that was done in person at the Light Hustle Publishing Retreat. Bill flew out there from D.C. Did I say his name? William Greer. Bill to me. That's what happens when you go on a retreat with somebody. And um, that's all I got for you. Um, I hope you love this interview. It's really, really interesting stuff. If you have struggled with the 12 steps, even if you haven't, just to hear another way people do things in recovery. So now I give you Bill Greer. Hold on. Sound check. And uh, my... Yeah. Showing up? Yeah, we're going. Okay, great. So, okay, so I heard a little bit about your story. Now I can't remember if it was last night or this morning, mm-hmm. but it's a fascinating journey to me because you basically went from struggling alcoholic and now you're the president of Smart Recovery, and you even had to explain to me what that meant. How does this happen? How long have you been in recovery? Um. Well, I started... My first effort to quit was um, uh, in 2010, uh-huh. um, uh, I guess uh, September, uh-huh. um, after I had kind of a slow motion automobile accident that... It felt <laughs> I mean, like it was in slow motion. Well, no, it was. It, actually, it was. If it had been faster, it would have been really scary. A- anyway, I, I was obviously drinking too heavily. I was also using a lot of uh, pain pills, although uh-huh. they weren't having any effect, but no, no. Anyway, in, in quotations. Yeah. Um, so then I tried, I tried quitting, um, alone. I, I would help my pr- primary care physician and that lasted for about 10 months. 
And then I resumed drinking um, for about another 18, 19 months. And then um, uh, my wife couldn't stand it anymore. And she said, you better do something about this or we're over or through. Yeah. And uh, so I quit um, uh, September 2012. Two years later. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I, I uh, went to a... Uh, intensive outpatient facility uh, in DC. In DC, uh, Colmac uh, outpatient clinics. I highly recommend them. They okay. uh, they were one of the pioneers, I believe, in intensive out- outpatient treatment. Mm-hmm. And um, like the first week of my stay there, they said uh, you've got to get a support group because uh-huh. uh, you're not going to recover without that kind of help. Mm-hmm. And uh, they basically said you have two choices: you can try smart recovery, or you can try twelve steps. And fortunately, there were a lot of both of those meetings in the D.C. area at that time. And um, so I, uh, I found um, a smart recovery meeting that had been well established about a mile from where I lived on Saturday mornings. Um, and so I started to go going to that. Uh, I, I did try a 12 step meeting. I went a couple times. It just didn't really click with me. So let's tell people who don't know what smart recovery is, what it is. All right. Smart Recovery is a program that helps people become empowered to recover from their own addiction, to find the power within themselves mm-hmm. to recover. There, there's no surrendering to a higher power. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's different in that respect. There, there's no uh, religious or moral component to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. It was developed by clinical um psychologists, therapists who were treating people with addictions about 25 years ago um, who were finding that their clients weren't getting the help they needed from 12-step programs. And um, and they, they used some of the uh, tools that they had been using with cognitive behavioral therapy, motivational interviewing, and integrated those tools into a support group format. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's really how SMART was was born. Um, I guess we, we kind of got started in the late 80s, but officially we, came, we were formed in 1992, or 1994, excuse me, um, uh, with the acronym SMART mm-hmm. that we later decided stood for self-management and recovery training. Oh, so this morning when you told me that you literally had the name SMART Recovery and then said, well, how can this describe what we're doing? Yeah, what, what should SMART stand for, right? The, uh, yeah. the acronym preceded the name. So you originally, not not to be overly simplistic, you just thought this was a smart way to recover? I, yeah, I guess. The people who found it, it figured yeah. that made sense. I mean, originally we were called Rational Recovery. I mean, and there was this problem with the guy, Jack Trimpey, who was one of the people who founded the concept behind SMART. And then... Uh, in 1994, the um, a nonprofit a group of uh, clinicians and uh, others formed the, the nonprofit group uh, that ultimately became Smart Recovery, and we were officially formed as Smart Recovery as a 501c3 in 1994. In Will you do me a favor and just move this a little bit closer to you? Okay. Yes, just in case. Gotcha. Um, now. What happens in smart recovery? So since so many more people are familiar with 12-step, is it the same that you convene for an hour? Are there steps? Are there people to help you? 
It's a standard support group format. Um, our, our meetings tend to be smaller, uh, 10, to 20, 10 to 15 people is the ideal size. We have a four-point program that people use to recover. Um, it's kind of based on treatment, but it's also based on common sense. Mm -hmm. um, first, you got to get motivated, and you got to find that motivation from within yourself. I mean, you have to have your own motivation, uh, or that's not going to work. Uh, second, you've got to learn to deal with urges and cravings, mm -hmm. and we have a lot of different tools to help people with that. Mm -hmm. uh, the third point is the cognitive aspect of SMART, where you learn to understand how um, your thoughts and your beliefs control your feelings and your actions, and how irrational or extreme or um, stupid, I guess you could say, thoughts and beliefs can mm -hmm. lead to self-destructive behavior mm -hmm. and unmanageable feelings. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the hardest parts of SMART to figure out because right. you, you got to figure out how your brain is, is kind of making you, is interfering with your life. It's pretty crazy, this thing that's gotten you around and managed everything to suddenly realize that it's been lying to you. It would be easier if it was lying to you all the time. It only lies to us part of the time. Yes, exactly. That's like what's you... so confusing. Yes. I find yeah. it incredibly confusing still. Yes, well, we, yes, indeed. Yeah. I mean, oh, I can have one drink. That's that's no problem. But my brain lies to me in sobriety, too, still. Well, sure. and that, Well, that's the thing about smart, too. Once you start becoming aware of your thoughts and how they control, you know, a lot of your experience, and that can apply to a lot of other aspects of your life. So, so you one of the benefits of SMART once you get going with it is, you can deal with a lot of difficult situations in life once you become aware of how your how your thinking is is kind of making you do the wrong things or uh, confusing you or, or unnecessarily upsetting you. Right. Um, so it helps you cope a lot better with, with the difficult challenges that everybody faces. So if, let's say, 12-step, uh, um, one of the suppositions is, I was born with alcoholism, it is a disease, I have it for life. What does smart recovery have to say that alcoholism is? Well, first of all, let me finish the points. The fourth oh, point, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were only on three. <laughs> the fourth point is very key. Yes. Uh, and that's uh, living a fulfilling and balanced and purposeful life because you can't really recover over the long term until you've replaced your the life that was screwed up by addiction with a, a new healthy life. Yeah. Um, and that's essential for long-term recovery. So, so I, I want to make sure we get that in because yeah. I, I think that's an important distinguishing aspect of SMART that makes it work. Um, Let's see. The disease issue. Um, that's a funny one. We, well, maybe not funny to some people. I don't know. But yeah, some people don't find it funny at all. I, I know. I've, I've actually read quite a lot about it. Yeah. And there's been a lot of debate over it. In the early years, SMART was uh, very much against the disease concept. Mm -hmm. um, we've always regarded uh, addiction as a behavioral problem. And, and uh, through our program, we change behavior and help people figure out how to control their behavior. And in that way, they can manage addiction, overcome addiction. Um, we don't believe it's a permanent condition. Right. Um, it's something you can get over and get on with your life. You don't have to attend SMART meetings for the rest of your life. Um, now, whether it's a disease or not, um, eventually we decided, you know, um, 
Our program works whether you think it's a disease or not. I think that's true of AA too. Yeah. So I mean, the academicians can have the debate over that, and and uh, meanwhile, we're going to help people recover. Yeah. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now. How long is it recommended that you go to smart recovery meetings? A year or two years, or is there? No I think sense? it depends upon the individual. I think people have different degrees of addiction. I mean, mild, moderate, severe. Um, I mean, there may be other problems going on, co-occurring disorders, uh, um, and and smart is not therapy. I mean, mm-hmm. let's let's not confuse it with that, and we make that clear in our in our meetings. It's a support group to help people in their recovery process. Some people may need SMART for a year, maybe two years, maybe more. But I think a lot of people, if they're, if they, if they're really working on it and using the, the program intensely and focusing on it, I, I think they can usually get through it in a, in a year or two. Um, yeah. I think people have to decide for themselves how long uh, they, they need to go to SMART. Obviously, they have to get to the fourth point and then they have to start getting a, a new life developed and that probably requires more than smart i mean it yeah it, it requires uh, a lot of changes in your lifestyle and and getting past you know the addictive behavior and everything that was associated with that which as you know is quite a lot for, for many yeah, people usually. so um uh and and being able to you know know how to deal with your urges and cravings and and understanding how your mind has a and your thinking has a significant effect on on your and what you experience and how you can control that and um, and and just I don't know people feel like they're ready and and they they're finished yeah. um, uh, some and 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 that's it for some people other people we we help come back and become facilitators tell me what a facilitator is that's a volunteer position yes and they run the meeting. Yes, uh, and they have to undergo a, um, a training, uh, uh, two months of training to learn uh, some of the psychological tools that we use in SMART, but also learn how to, how to run meetings uh, in, a, in a manner that's, um, I guess it's comparable to motivational interviewing, if people understand that. Will you explain what that is? Yeah. Um, it, in our program, we, we don't tell people, you must change. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't tell people how they must change. We, we help them come to the conclusion that they must change mm-hmm. um, by sharing experiences, helping them understand the dissonance between their values and, and their addictive behavior. Um, it's the role of the facilitator to f- encourage people to share experiences um, also to use some of the tools that we have in our program when that might be helpful to the discussion. The facilitator also wants to make sure everybody who wants to participate has a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our meetings have a lot of crosstalk, a, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, people. Which means giving feedback on what someone shares. Yep. And is it the same thing, shares are timed or... Um, is there a topic to the meeting? Or? The general format, um, you, you generally start with a check-in. Um, yeah. You go around the room, everybody, maybe a 30 seconds to a couple minutes, just tells it how, you, how the recovery is going. Or, yeah. or is there something good that happened in their life? Or is there something upcoming they're concerned yeah. about? Yeah. Just whatever they want to share, um, just to kind of check in and tell people you know what, what's going on. And and then the facilitator uh, has to pay very careful attention to what everybody is saying and, and then determine from that 
all right, what do we want to spend, uh, you know, a good part of the meeting on? Uh, there's some common themes that people have brought up. Uh, right. An example, you know, a great example might be, say, somebody experienced a lapse or a relapse. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, with that person's permission, you know, do you want to spend the meeting talking about how that happened? And then people can help you figure out what you can learn from that. We don't regard uh, lapses or relapses as like, I mean, they're obviously not part of the program, but they're a learning experience. They're really telling you that, that whatever you're doing and your recovery effort obviously isn't completely working. And you don't count days. No, we don't. And in fact, in fact, what often happens is that somebody has gone for a long period of time, um, several months perhaps, and, and then they relapse. That doesn't mean they go back to the beginning of the recovery process. Right. The, the, the metaphor that we often use is that, say, you're driving from, well, in my case, from, say, Washington, D.C. to Boston, and you get a flat tire in, in New York City. Right. Um, you don't change the tire and drive back to Washington, D.C. Right. You change the tire and you, you go on to your ultimate destination. So, yes. So that's kind of the analogy that we're talking about. Yeah. So we help people figure out how they need to strengthen their their recovery efforts and um, and you know adjust their thinking and and uh, whatever else might be needed to to uh, so these four sections there's no sponsors right so you no. just kind of work them on your do you write is it writing things out and reading them aloud or you just do it however you do well it? people you know people will be working on the program on this on their own yeah. at, at home we have a, a workbook that has lots of uh, exercises in them that people use and and uh, so there's you know they can focus on how to work through these on their own um, but they are are often the focus of, of the dis discussion at the meetings people come uh, to our meetings at different stages in recovery I mean some are not even sure they need to recover but want to check us out others are realizing well I got a problem I don't want to do it I don't know what to do about it and and then others are actually thinking yeah I got a problem how can smart you know help me figure out I would imagine a lot of the people are people who say I went to AA and I didn't like it yes but that number is actually de declining really um, and uh, although I mean that that's certainly true and and um, but we're also getting a lot of people being referred by their by their therapists. Uh, also, yeah, a lot of people are discovering us online uh, as they're look, maybe they're looking for alternatives to, to twelve steps. Although about thirty percent of the people who go to smart meetings also go <laughs> also go to uh, uh, twelve step meetings. They do. Yes, I didn't know that. Yes, we don't forbid them from going to twelve step meetings. I mean, right. They, they get different things out of, out of the two meetings. I mm -hmm. think anybody who's going through recovery, uh, particularly in the early stages, is going to benefit from being around other people who are going through recovery. So uh, it's not uncommon for, for people to, to go to 12-step and, mm -hmm. and SMART meetings, maybe getting different things out of each of the meetings. They might be using the SMART four-point program for their recovery. But but they have to. There are more obviously. There are more twelve step meetings, uh, and and they need to go to meetings, particularly in the early phases of, of recovery. So going to twelve step meetings can be very helpful to them. And is the the reason someone becomes a facilitator is it is like twelve step? There's an emphasis on being of service helps you recover, or do people just volunteer to be facilitators because they want to be counselors or? I think a lot of people who feel like the smart program helped them. I kind of really feel like 
I'd like to help other people. Yeah. I, there's a there's a, a strong I sense there's a lot of passion in in the in the people who become volunteers associated with our program. Um, they, they feel very grateful for how smart this helped them, mm-hmm. and and they and they want to give back. And and actually, I think a lot of people in their own recovery, becoming a facilitator can actually solidify their mm-hmm. their own personal recovery efforts. I, I can say speak for myself in that regard, uh, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, I, I think one of the amazing things that I find is the more longer I've been associated with SMART is the passion that I find among our volunteers and the sacrifice that they go through to, to facilitate meetings. I mean, you got to prepare for these meetings. you got to be really aware as you're facilitating meetings. You're committing yourself to at least uh, 52 meetings a year. I mean, you can't not show up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, and in fact, we're, we, we now do encourage people to have multiple facilitators for meetings so, uh, so they have backup. Yeah. So they don't. Um, but, you know, that wasn't something that we were doing uh, previously. And that and that caused some some burnout because facilitating is a is a is a challenging it's a situation. job. Yeah. But you're not getting paid. And in terms of alcoholism versus addiction, do people come to Smart Recovery when they're straight up drug addicts, like heroin addicts? That kind uh, of thing? Smart works for any kind of addiction, mm-hmm. uh, substance or behavioral. Okay, so um, eating disorders, and- eating disorders, uh, sex, yeah. um, internet uh, use. If, right. To the extent that that's a problem, I don't know how widespread that is. Although I would, well, I, it might be changing, but I, I think. Um, Alcohol still is probably the most predominant yeah. addiction that people have. Yeah. I think opioids are starting to move up. Yeah. And 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 that is actually um, a lot of people with opioid disorders are are finding smart particularly helpful to them because um, we are very accepting of people who are using medications to recover. Um, right. Since the beginning, because of our scientific orientation. Uh, we've been very open to anybody who's taking medications, whether it's to treat a behavioral health problem or, or part of their uh, recovery. Right. Uh, there's no judgment about no, any of that. There's no stigma attached to it. We don't even talk about medications at, at yeah. our meetings. That's not really an issue. Yeah. Um, so I think we're finding a lot of people with opioid use disorders getting what they need um, yeah. at smart meetings. Yes. And now... Um, here is my question. Becoming president of Smart Recovery, what does that mean? That means I've got to manage Smart at a period where our growth is, 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 is extremely strong. Um, we've, we've quintupled in size over the last eight years, going from 600 meetings uh, to more than 3,000 meetings in an eight-year period worldwide. Um, I'm smart. I'm the president of Smart Recovery U.S. We've gone from 300 meetings in the U.S. to well, approaching 2,000 meetings. Wow. Um, now we have family and friends meetings in addition to regular meetings, uh, our equivalent to Al Anon. Yeah. Uh, we also have a special meeting that we do in correctional facilities. We it's our Inside Out program. We developed a version of Smart with a, a million dollar grant from the National Institute on Drug Abuse. Uh, that helps people with uh, both addictive and criminal behavior. So we're we're in a lot of uh, correctional facilities uh, worldwide, actually, but heavily into the U.S. In fact, we're about to start 
30 meetings in the California correctional system um, just for the inmates who were on mat trying to recover from opioid uh, use That's disorders. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we, we're trying to manage SMART's growth in, in all those areas. We, we need to keep our educational materials up to date. Um, uh, we... Yeah, we need more money. I mean, that's one of the huge things. That right was a now. big grant from NIDA, though. Twenty years ago, yes. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, so people who want to find a smart recovery meeting, just like anything, they go online. They look at the Smart Recovery website. Is there an app? What other ways can SmartRecovery.org? Yeah. Um, and and there's a meeting locator. Enter your zip code, and you'll get a list of the 50, all the meetings within fifty miles mm-hmm. of where you live. Um, you can also attend online meetings. We we have about thirty online meetings. In the rooms, dot com also runs a smart recovery. Meetings. Yeah, there there are a few of those. Uh-huh. We're there too. Um, we're we're expanding our online meetings. Actually, I think yeah. that's one area where we're growing, and and uh, we've just adopted the Zoom technology to to add a visual right. dimension to those meetings. Um, so that's an important growth area. Um, but like, how many are in a city? Do you know how many are in Los Angeles? Say, I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but I I, I could find out by going online. Ten, we guess. I would say maybe probably thirty or fifty. Or, yeah, wow. And, and I know in San Diego, there's about in the San Diego area, there's about sixty. Um, so maybe Los Angeles is more spread out. I I really don't know. Yeah. We're, we're very heavily concentrated in, in some of the major metropolitan areas. I know Chicago, we have a lot. I, I'm in D.C. We have a large number in, in D.C., Maryland, and, and uh, um, well, especially in Baltimore as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, New England, we, we have a lot in New Hampshire. We have a lot in uh, Massachusetts. Um, uh, we're, we're actually in a lot of hospitals in, in the New England area. Um, and in their behavioral health uh, hospitals, especially, where I think the McLean Hospital, which is the Harvard Medical School teaching hospital, mm-hmm. I think we have daily meetings uh, there um, that are that are actually run by by some of their staff people. Uh, uh, I guess I guess that me- they find those meetings are very effective using them in conjunction with with the treatment that they're Mm -hmm. giving the predominant um therapies that are used in in treatment as as you may know is cognitive behavioral therapy and motivational interviewing Mm -hmm. so to the extent that our program is based on those two therapies there's a a a nice congruence between the treatment that they're getting and then the support that, that smart is providing and i should mention we did define motivational interviewing before but to explain to people who don't know what cbt is cbt is is really understanding i think as i said understanding how your thoughts and beliefs affect how you act and what you feel and it's a matter of identifying how that process works and identifying the irrational, unhelpful, extreme beliefs that are leading to uh, to the feelings that are giving you a lot of problems in your life mm-hmm. or self-destructive behavior. And it's and it's a uh, something you've got to practice and become aware of uh, as you're as you're dealing with uh, you're trying to deal with your addiction. Um, I mean, there's the obvious. Uh, well, I can give you a, a personal example. I, I guess if, if you want to talk about my own life situation, 
um, there was um, uh, one meeting I was facilitating. We, we asked, all right, what's the one thing in your life that could really throw your recovery off track? And, and, and as I think you're aware, I, my, my wife was uh, suffering from three terminal diseases. Right. And I knew she was going to die. I didn't know when. And the, what came to my mind, well, yeah, that would be the one thing that could really throw me off. Um, however, the, the fact that I was able to talk about that and, and kind of get it out there and, and kind of look at it and think about it, when the time came, I, I didn't really even think about drinking. Right. I mean, I, I had already processed that in my mind to the extent that I knew that you know, drinking at that point would be really stupid. Right. And, and I, I really needed to be able to you know, deal with my emotions and go through the grieving process. And it's not going to help me being inebriated while I'm grieving. Yes. In and, fact, it would hurt you greatly. Yes. In many ways. And, and so, I mean, at, and at meetings, uh, we'll, we'll help people, uh, you know, figure out, um, you know, how they can, how they can, how, how they can deal with, with difficult life uh, situations. All right. You take the just basic things that happen people day to, from day to day. I mean, you're, you're in the writing business. Mm -hmm. Say somebody's submitted a, an article to a publication and they get a rejection letter. Right. And and maybe somebody who's just starting out would think, oh, my God, I'm never going to be a writer. It's, I'm, a, my, I'm a worthless writer. I might right. as well give it up and, and, and just feel totally distraught and depressed. And, and, and uh, or, I mean, and, and that's your beliefs controlling your your thinking or right. or you could say well wait a minute i you know i'm just starting off as a writer yeah rejection uh, everybody. yeah exactly and and i'm a pretty good writer and yeah. it's going to take some experience and and i can submit proposals to other publications and so it's not a big deal right but that's how your beliefs can can really affect your 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 feelings and and if your beliefs are distorted or, or not rational i mean that can affect how you feel and um, so it's a matter of, of figuring out how to how to manage your beliefs and, and make sure that they're proportional to the, you know, to, the, to what's triggering them. And in terms of uh, what is Smart Recovery's competition besides AA? You know, there's there's Celebrate Recovery, which is very different. That's a very spiritual, almost religious program. You know, I, I don't really think about it as competition. Yeah. I, I think the, the addiction problem is so widespread and there's so much need for people who need help. That but there's sort of AA, which everyone knows about, and then there's Smart Recovery and... There's Life Ring, which is a small um, group that's kind of like ours, uh, also uses uh, CBT to some extent. There's a Woman for Sobriety, um, which is mostly online, very small. Refuge Recovery, I guess, is another one. Yeah. I think they're based on Buddhism yeah. in, in some way. Um, I think there's some upcoming groups for uh, uh, for students, uh, college students. I, I, I forget the name offhand. Um, but I I guess right now we, um, we're we growing so fast, I, I guess we, we're just trying to keep our own program right. on on track and and get as not enough facilitators as we can to run our meetings so it's you know recruiting new facilitators is a is a big uh, uh, challenge we our our, pro, our training program is getting a lot of attention we're we're uh, training about 3000 people a year now 
um, about um, two thirds of those now are professionals, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they're I think they're getting the training in some respects just to find out what smart recovery is all about mm-hmm. to see if they want to recommend their clients go yeah, to our meetings or incorporate some of it into what yeah they do. some will have their own meetings that they set up within their practice and some will start public meetings uh, to to invite others to um, so we're you know we're seeing a lot of growth as we try to work collaborating with with the professional field. And I should say something that's distinctive about SMART that I, I kind of, I've discovered, and other people have actually discovered this. I, I don't know if you're familiar with William White, uh, yeah. the, the, the great writer in our industry. When when you ask him about SMART, he, he, tell, he will tell you, well, the one thing that distinguishes SMART is that we are a partnership between professionals and peers. Right. Uh, because the professionals really designed the program but they did this in cooperation with peers with the idea that the peers would be running most of the meetings. Yeah. And, and so, you know, on the board, we have a combination of professionals and peers. Um, and, and we're trying to keep up with, you know, with changes in, in science and, and addiction recovery methods and seeing where we might have new tools to incorporate into our program to keep it up to date. So it's a, dyna- it's a dynam- dynamic program rather than a static one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so that's, you know, that's part of the process as well. Well, thank you so much for sharing this. Um, you know, as we wrap up, is there anything else you want people to know about Smart Recovery, your own story, the book you're working on? I think the greatest thing about Smart Recovery is, is its applicability to all aspects of life. Yeah. At least a lot of people have discovered that. And I think once you get in touch with, with how you're, thinking and beliefs, uh, you know, start affecting uh, your life. And if you can understand how that works, uh, uh, that can help you a lot. Well, and personally, I, I've just found it extremely fulfilling to, to be a part of this movement and part of it at a time when it's growing uh, so rapidly mm-hmm. and meeting a, a tremendous need right now because we have this addiction epidemic that's obviously out of control mm-hmm. and we need more kind of more support uh, groups for the people who need them we need to get them into rural areas we need to get them into uh, inner city areas uh, you know we want to see smart growing in those ways so we're uh, i think i'm excited to be part of that process and, and trying to promote that to the extent i can um, and uh, just get out there and talk about what what smart recovery can do to help people Okay, and then again, if people want to find out more, they go to smartrecovery.org. Smartrecovery.org and uh, punch in your zip code. And and uh, if you want to start, if you don't have a meeting in your neighborhood, you can start one. we'll help you start one, yes. Now that, there's no excuses. Okay, well, Bill, thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome.